Welcome to Watershed November podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove, cinema curator here at Watershed. And this month, we're going to explore the idea of Arcadia, the pastoral rural idyll that is Arcadia. And I'm joined this month by two guests. The first is musician, sonic explorer, and one third of Portishead, Adrian Utley. Hello. And the other is Emmy curation student, and cinema assistant here at Watershed, Steph Reed. Both of you are exploring the idea of Arcadia in different ways. Steph, you've done a season, which we'll talk about in a second, which you're presenting as part of your MA project at Watershed. But first, Adrian, you're doing a live performance to a film that you were involved in a number of years ago called Arcadia. I was going to ask you, how did you get involved in it? And I realised, uh, oh, it was me. Yeah, it was you. <laughs> it was me. It was me entirely that, you. It was me that got you involved Again. in it. It was me that got you involved in it. But actually, just before we, we, we get on to Arcadia, um, which is a film that was uh, made by Scottish filmmaker Paul Wright, it's a collection of uh, archive uh, footage which he's put together into um, you know, feature length. But you've done other uh, film projects. And again, we've worked on... Um, one of them, Passion of Joan of Arc, which you've done live music to. I always remember thinking when I heard Portishead for the first time, it, it felt cinematic. Well, how important has film, cinema been to your own uh, musical practice? And what is it that interests you about working with film and moving image? Well, film's always been a big part of my life, you know, uh, aside of music, away from music. I haven't studied film like you guys have. Uh, my dad brought me up to watch really good films, you know, in a time when you could watch good films on the telly. Now, obviously, we've got access to tons of stuff that we never had back in the 80s, 70s. Um, so it's always been really important to me. And I think, you know, the soundtrack aspect of film, especially the kind of films that I was watching. Was that something that you really were conscious of as a young... No, I don't think it was, first of all, although I do remember seeing Ipcrest File, um, which was a less serious film, if you say... film. Amazing yeah. film uh, on many levels. Yeah. Many aspects of it are completely brilliant. But I do remember the soundtrack from that because it, you know that was John Barry and well, the opening uh, of it is is the, is the music magical. Yeah, it is. And you know, like I've said this a thousand million times, but when he turns the coffee grinder on, which is actually indicative of him being, you know, he's uh, he's got a coffee grinder. It's lately upmarket. <laughs> exactly. It's in the right key. So John Barry must have gone. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's in that key. I'm going to write, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of that and windscreen wipers being in time. And, yeah. But less a, s a serious film than Badlands, for instance, uh, which, you know, the soundtrack for that, but it was based on kind of kids' music. A composer made music for kids. And actually, which was brilliant because, you know, they're kids going around yeah. killing everyone, aren't they? You know, yeah. I think actually Morricone with Sergio Leone, you could not be aware of the music with that so you know i started it sort of started to come into focus film music composition and um so it's always been important to me important to me but it wasn't in the kind of music i was making through the one section of my life before Porter said it wasn't really relevant in a, in too many ways really because music i was, it was making something that you were interested in but I was it, didn't, interested. it didn't it didn't really factor in your practice not at all musician. no and um it's only when i met jeff really and those guys who were younger than me, really into soundtracks. You know, it was part of the hip hop thing. And, you know, Wu-Tang, well, loads of people were sampling film soundtracks. So you'd find Lalo Schifrin, Funky Grooves, you know, breaks and stuff. I became interested because I suddenly thought, Christ, I know all this stuff. I know these 
these films i know a lot of these films and i know i i was aware of the music but not aware of the music so it focused me on that really so then sonic i remember it being a sort of massive kind of uh realization that film music was super cool so if i watched bullet for instance lala schifrin soundtrack which i was an amazing film and i don't you know you're aware of the music but now i was super aware of just the music and forget about the film you know the the um all about it and then you'd find out that it was the wrecking crew from la that did it and you know yeah it's always been from then on it's been really really important i haven't done that many films but what i have done I think Joan of Arc, you know, which I did with Will Gregory, and we could do that entirely as we wanted to do that because the director is long dead. That was the silent film, Passion of Joan of Arc, Carl Theodore Dreher from the yeah. 1920s silent film. And um, yeah, we, we worked together on yeah. um, getting you and Will to do the score for that, which kind of relates to Arcadia because what, what you're doing is creating sound music for pre-existing yeah. Uh, images. And it's not that you're working with the filmmaker. Well, you were with we Paul. We were with but... Paul, yeah. 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 But with, obviously, Dreyer's Long Dead. Yeah. And, um, and that was a, a, a real good cut, because for a long time there wasn't a good, good cut of that. You know, mm. it was only found yeah. in the 80s, yeah. wasn't it? Um, but it's similar in a way because, you know, most films have a dialogue and you have to fit around that. And, yeah. um, whereas... With Arcadia, there's very little dialogue. Well, that's what I meant, was it's a silent film, I guess. It you know, kind the film, of is. The film exists, you're not dealing with dialogue. And, yeah. And, and, I mean, coming on to Arcadia, now this, uh, Paul Wright, as we said, um, Scottish-based director who had, this was, I think, his second film, but he, it is an interesting project because it was about working with the BFI's National Film Archive. Yeah. And um, it was a partnership with Common Ground. Yeah. Uh, which is an organisation which um, sort of supports uh, building awareness and working, um, people um, sort of working with or engaging more with nature. Yeah. Um, and they do they commission projects, and I think they got involved with it with the BFI. So it was like a filmmaker going into the BFI's huge archive um, around a theme of um, nature, relationship with nature. So Paul, I think if I remember rightly, he. And his editor had gone through 500 hours of footage. Yeah, it was. I think. And and then um, you, you know we got you involved in it and just talk through that process then of what was it that interested you about the area that Paul was working in and and how did the soundtrack become into focus? Yeah, well, I've I've always been interested in countryside first, you know, because I've always been like you and I often go on huge walks into the wilderness and i'm interested in pagan tradition just got married actually only a couple of weeks ago and that was in more pagan kind of old style it's the sort of thing you might have seen in arcadia yeah yeah um, yeah so that's always been a massive interest to me in this cycle of the of the year the 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 pagan festivals you know and their meaning has meant more to me than christianity has i've always had that interest so um, when you first talked to me about it with Adrian from Common Ground, um, it was I, I was interested straight so away. So the, the the subject matter was interested. Yeah, you, before you, I'd you seen anything. In, yeah, and then Paul sent. Um, they ended up that I talked to Will Gregory and said, "Do you want to fancy doing this with me? We'll do this together." You know, because we had worked on things, a lot of things together over the years. And um, Paul sent us a very small edit. Um, that's all we had. First of all, was probably the glue sniffers bit 
the weird I dog. don't remember that being a pagan tradition. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's become one, though. <laughs> I think Thatcher brought that on, didn't she? I mean, it was the only yeah, way yeah. out. Well, this is the thing about the film is that, um, I mean, we should say for uh, listeners that don't know the film, is that it does take us on a journey from, you know, of the um, very early archive film of countryside tradition. Yeah. Whether it's harvesting, you know, the kind of rural um, farming, but then it goes into folk traditions and actually traditions which kind of come from, if you trace them back, actually have got pagan sort of roots. Yeah. And it's, it, it explores that our relationship with um, those traditions, but then it takes, takes us through into how... how the we, destruction we, of that. Well, yeah, the, the destruction of, it, of yeah. that, and, and which probably themes that come up in your um, uh, season, Steph, I'd imagine, as well. It's just that complicated relationship with nature and... The, the idea of Arcadia. I think Paul was also really interested in the tribal aspect of it. Um, yeah. Like the, the connection with um, there's those raves, illegal raves well, and things. I was things. thinking yeah. that and how you evolved from like the earlier folk traditions and festivals that he pictures in the film to then like the more contemporary kind of rave exactly. and parties out there, which is something that comes up in one of the new commission shorts that we're playing as part of the season from the ICO, which focuses on kind of rave culture in the countryside. And that kind of disruption of the traditional conception of like rural romanticism. Well, I think know? that's exactly what he was partially aiming for. It's hard to know exactly, you know. I think you take from it. He had a concept. I've heard him talk about it at cinemas, and uh, I was thinking, yeah, well, oh, I hadn't thought of it like that. But it, it, there's many facets to it because it's an incredibly complicated film, isn't it? There's so much footage. It's hard to. I mean, I'm still watching it now. Some, t you know, when we've been rehearsing and going, oh, oh, God, I hadn't seen that bit. This is so bit. full on. Like yeah. I rewatched it the other day and noticed he'd taken a scene from the film The Moon and the Sledgehammer. You know, right, which, um, what's that? It's yeah. um, so a film, I think, from the 80s about a really isolated kind of commune or family living out in the countryside and the kind of uh, worldview that they have that's so limited by just literally being out. Was that the guy that said we lived as on a beach and says it, it didn't work ultimately? Was that it? Or was that something else? Uh, no, I think that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah another <Yeah>. rural niche <laughs> film. But this, this is the thing is, I mean, it's such a hugely rich film because it's, it's a much more complex thing, this idea of Arcadia and uh, relationship, because you can view it as very uh, simple. Um, I mean, even The Archers has got complex in terms of its relationship with me. <laughs> it used to be, The Archers used to be, be simple. I mean, because yeah. this, this is a simple story of country folk. Yeah. So you have this idea that the country is somehow an escape. Somehow it, it's it's pure. It's natural, of course. Uh, you know all these things, but it's much more complex than that. Yeah, you... I think you know. I think we're losing that actually because I think those those beautiful shots of the old guys dancing outside the pub, if you remember that, and it's in slightly in slow motion with the. I think it's Bulgarian singers. Uh, we didn't do that music. Uh, that, that I can't see that anymore. And I think as who made bait, um, Mark Jenkins points out, you know, the middle classes are moving out into the countryside and moving into these communities and absolutely destroying the tradition, really, in a way they feel like Cameron and his posse moving into the Cotswolds and making some horrible middle class version of what used to be. Sorry about that, everyone, but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> and, but, but this is this is this idea of Arcadia, I think, um, 
and actually, I don't know, uh, Steph, if you want to come in, because your season that you put together is called Out of Arcadia, which maybe suggests that Arcadia isn't this uh, idle. Yeah, kind of interrogating that idea yeah. of, you know, the idyllic countryside. Um, I mean, for example, we're showing a film, Galavan, Andrew Cotting's film, which touches on that idea of um, kind of urban sprawl and the effects that that has on the rural communities and the sense of belonging that people have to the land then when you've got these kind of cities and motorways disrupting the, you know, natural landscape. Um, and because I don't know if you know the film, he goes on a, I don't, no. he goes on a journey around the entirety of the British coastline with his daughter and I think it's his grandmother. Um, a bit age-wise. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they visit, you know, key points along, like Lizard Point, and they go down to the bottom. And it's a really interesting kind of journey in terms of looking at all these different rural communities that exist along the coastline, but then also exploring kind of his own familial relations within that. Um, but yeah, and then I kind of take that further with The Last of England, Derek Jarman film. Yeah, and I you drive know. the point home about um, it. Basically, presents a kind of industrialized hellscape of the British countryside in, in the context of Thatcherism and right, yeah. it's a, quite a commentary on them. Yeah, the, the disruption of that idea of the untouched, unspoiled British landscape. Because it really does open up all those tensions with the political um, ideas as well. Um, and, you know, we always know about um, any you know, there are more people, there needs to be more development, there needs to be more houses, you then encroach into nature and, and you know, the green spaces. Um, and you, we, we, there's also, we want to preserve these traditions, but also these green spaces and, you know, nature. And it's it's such a political, and, and what you find is that there's invariably politics uh, underneath, underneath it. Underneath I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, which is Last of England, um, Derek Jarman's great um, film about that, which kind of comes out of the sort of Thatcherite, um, era um, and uh, great amazing debut performance from Tilda Swinton in that film um, and Andrew Cotting you know continues um, that exploration of what it, what the countryside the relationship with the countryside is and also like who has the right to right to be there you know like the ICO program the shorts that we're doing is yeah. called right of way and kind of looks into you know when we say that there's a right of way or a right to roam who are we saying that about and Oh, right Who's to wait, included right. in that idea of the British rural countryside and who's historically been excluded from that? Right. Um, and we're having a conversation with um, one of the directors of the shorts, Dan Guthrie, who's Southwest based and produced a piece of work inspired by that. And Sam from Land in Our Names, which is an organization that looks into kind of black sense of belonging in the countryside. Right. Yeah. Um, and you've got Jonah Comfra's uh, nine, nine Muses. Nine, nine muses um, and John. Um, brilliant filmmaker, um, Jonah Comfort is black, um, and it is exploring that also historical connection with the great British countryside. Yeah, um, and, he uses and, like the juxtaposition of those shots of like the Alaskan kind of cold ice scapes, essentially, um, to then comment on the kind of experience of uh, migrating to England and the kind of welcome you receive in terms of being in the countryside here is akin to the harshness of that kind of wintry environment. And, and you've also, as part of your season, um, you've got a performance element as well. There's a musician who's doing... Yeah, there's going to be a live audio-visual set by um, a pair of local drummers um, who work kind of 
electronic music and they're going to be bringing in hopefully some ceramic instruments made from clay in the kind of local area and then using those to do a performance with um, visuals of using archive footage and drawing on that but like manipulating it um, and drum triggered visuals so then it will be responding to their performance. Your season cake was partly related to the performance that you're going to do Adrian and Will are doing at St George's on the 11th which is you know you did Arcadia in 2017 was it know, yeah 20, 2017 2018 yeah. just if you could talk us through how you and Will approached the score for Arcadia because I know that you when we did it yeah when you yeah. did it you know because I know that you wanted Annie Briggs for example you wanted this particular folk tradition voice to kind of come through just how did you and Will kind of come to the score that you did? Well, we, like I said, first of all, we got given a small amount of film, like the, the kids, you know, with the glue bags. And um, I do think that was in Glasgow, by the way, that footage. Do you think it was? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah, could well be. Yeah. It could actually be in, couldn't it? Yeah. I know, it could be, but it I, I, I sort of... my village, to be it, honest. It, it, it resonated with the 70s in Glasgow. So, well, we got that, and I think we always think of it a concept sonically you know what we will do especially with Joan of Arc we pick a palette whereas with this film there's so much different well there isn't a well, there is a narrative but there's not a conventional narrative no and it's not yeah. it will change you know yeah. this stuff changes so I'm trying to think back Let, let's say for instance there's a little clip it starts off with Elgar-esque music mm. you know which is actually we didn't do that mm. that's actually on the soundtrack but it's it's part of the harvesting from whenever it is 1910 mm. or something yeah, very yeah, early yeah. film isn't it and it's typically English cowpack kind of beautiful Elgar stroke Delius kind of sure. and that's cool that's that and that's as you see it as we were brought up with the thought of that then there's Russell and Victor the the little kids that are pissing around in the uh, in the broken buildings and stuff yeah. uh, and it's 70s they've got their flares and their tank tops right. so it, yeah, yeah. it occurred to me oh well let's do, uh, let's make a glam rock t-rexy kind of groove because that's the kind of music would have been happening when they were kids you know when we when that was happening now i was a kid at that time um etc onwards you know so every piece could be different and that's how we approached it really to make a different type of thing um based on our taste and our knowledge of music uh which is quite broad and you know we even made an acid track for the the, the, the rave, rave thing rave stuff, but actually yeah. paul preferred um one that he'd chosen as a temp track you know and and that's cool this is film yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so when we play it live we play our own track retrieving the power um, <laughs> um and, and how did annie annie briggs annie briggs yeah, yeah so i'd been working with i just made a record with uh mary waterson who's a folky you know part of the kind of folk dynasty of um uh, her mum, Lau Waterson, used to work with Anne Briggs in the Watersons, and uh, so this is this is kind of very traditional English folk. Very traditional, but actually at the time breaking breaking new ground in the sixties. Sixties, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Annie, sorry, um, Mary is the daughter of Lau, and she knew Annie as a kid, and she gave me Annie's contact, or in fact, got in touch with Annie. Annie is a legendary and very elusive singer from the 60s. Used to live with Bert Jansch, the amazing guitar player, folky guy, that Led Zeppelin actually took a few uh, grooves from. 
they could never sue Led Zeppelin because they were huge and Annie and Bert lived in a bed set, you know, playing folky music in pubs. Annie was always really good at researching old, old folk tunes like uh, Bonnie Boy, which Elgar had done versions of and Lowlands, the old, old tunes. Yeah, yeah. And, and these she... are tunes that, these are kind of tunes that um, are, are handed on, you know, yeah. this kind of oral tradition really yeah. that, that they're then handed on and in the modern era, as it were. Um, are being performed in folk clubs and absolutely, yeah. and that because in the seventy, be the early seventies, I guess actually, sixties into seventies. I remember as a kid, folk clubs being a really big thing, mm. and there was contemporary folk and traditional finger in ear hole, mm. dirgy. But when, when those songs were being sung, you felt as though that it was the past and it yeah, was all the, those with which, the which came people. from a kind of rural tradition. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and you know that has been kept alive over these years. And Annie <laughs> used to sing those. Uh, songs she was a kind of wayward character mm. often didn't turn up to gigs mm. didn't like being recorded mm. did one record that's a cappella with no nothing but her singing mm. i've seen a footage of her singing in a folk club and starting and then going ah bollocks and um mm. starting again because she got in the wrong key mm. really and beautiful voice fantastic mm. turns and decorations mm. in her mm. And then she made her own record that she, you know, where she's playing guitar and wrote song, didn't like it and stopped playing it, stopped, completely mm. stopped. So I got in touch with her and she was really nice. And um, I said, would it be cool if we used some of your mm. unaccompanied songs and actually put some orchestration with it? Mm. And she was hip to all of right. that and was cool. Right. So, so these, I, were older, these were older recordings that you've then there's used? There's recordings and... from like probably, I can't even remember, probably late 60s, yeah. unaccompanied, very basic recordings of her. So we use them because it seemed like it we didn't want to make the whole thing folk music you yeah. know so but i think if we we're gonna make use some folk music it should be english because the whole thing was mm. english and um it couldn't be better than any really singing mm. those mm. songs i mean there are many people we could have chosen mm. but mm. you know shirley collins loads mm. of people mm. from that era that we could have had but i i i kind of i really i was very moved by her yeah. voice This is Annie, isn't it? Uh, Annie, yeah. Yeah. And my father won't slide you. It's really high as well. We've had a problem with that. Mary was going to do it, but she, well, she became ill, so she couldn't do it. But, but she couldn't. Um, she became ill, but we would have had to transpose everything lower because she doesn't sing that high. It's amazing because she's got such. There's also, I mean, she's she's really heavy voice, but really light mm. and. Quite haunting. Yeah, no, but it's, I mean, there's a whole. But it's it's that it's that thing. It's very um, feels very light, <laughs> um, but it's just it's very dark as she's well. It's fucking very heavy. intense, really is. Yeah, you know, yeah. when you hear those songs, uh, there's with such intent as well, such. Yeah, no, there's power. There's force. absolute power. Yeah, um, and there, do, unaccompanied mostly. Well, you know. Yeah. Like that, yeah. yeah. We often talked about doing it as a live performance. Mm. How easy or difficult was it to then take um, from the score that you did for the film to it being a the live performance that you're doing at St George's? Well, it was. It came about from me and my wife Lorna watching it. I had to go and do a, a, a sort of Q and A. Uh, I've done loads of them because I don't think Paul ever wants to go anywhere and do it. It's his <laughs> film. I'm like, 
Yeah, people ask me also, why so much nudity? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't make the film. I just made the music. Well, even, Paul, even Paul didn't make the film. He, no, exactly. He, those films, he didn't film it. No, he went into he the archive, and there's all these archive footage <laughs> of naked people dancing about I the countryside. I got hell in um, one place, and then I went in to see another film, and there it was in a film festival, and see this old couple was sitting behind me and going, did you just see that film Arcadia? Yes, I did. Disgusting. <laughs> all that nudity. Why do they have to have them? That... That's what happens in Arcadia. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Christ. Um... Um, anyways, we were watching it and we decided that, you know, it, it, Lorna said, you, you should do it live. And that, and that was the beginning of that. And actually, it was really difficult to do it, really difficult to do it live because of all the different genres. And so we had to get Arts Council funding, which was amazing, to in order to get the enough musicians and all the technology um, that we needed in order to do it. So um, we got our friend Ross Hughes, Will and I, uh, were too busy to actually do that. So he brilliantly scored it all for us, wrote out what we've done, um, and then we could read it, and he conducted it. And um, we, he got the orchestra, the people together, so the string quartet and various, everybody's doubling or tripling instruments. So, um, and it's all done to a click, because it's got to actually completely be in time. And sometimes the click changes right in the middle of the something because it's. Saying I remember, I remember that the the, the click from Passion of Joan of Arc, yeah, which which almost came into uh, uh, operation, but I think Charles, conductor Charles, was not not having the click track. Yeah. But 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 really, I mean, you know, it's it's important because you've got a film that's running, and you need to be hitting certain points. You've got to be absolutely yeah, yeah. So if the tempo is, um, you know beats per minute BPM, if it's like three BPM out, then it will mean it's either longer exactly. or shorter, that, you know, because you're playing faster or slower, which will mean it, you know, so you can be out with the film. Um, so Joan of Arc is less vitally important and Charles can, you know, move us when, we, when it needs moving. But with Arcadia, it's, the cuts are so, and the music is so, juxtaposed yeah the, uh, with, really with also with, you get it absolutely right it really is yeah which is also the massive stress of it and as we haven't done it that many times we've rehearsed it it's um it's quite stressful but that's not anything that anybody should know no. about or worry about we should just watch the film and i think that when we play it live you know we're able to give it in, in give it more of something than you are when you first write it on the film, you know, so say I keep talking about Russell and Victor because I can think of that, but, um, you know, that glam tune, we can give it more weight when we yeah. play live, but not change it just to give it more impetus, you know, like going to see a live band, really. So we're not looking to absolutely, totally recreate without thinking of this is a live experience for everyone. We're not jamming by any means, but it's just got more power. Yeah. And and this is the one at St George's on the eleventh of November is the second time you've performed. It's going to I know it's going to the Barbican next year. It's going to Amsterdam uh, yeah. um, documentary festival. It's it's going to other places in the UK. But the I thought that you you've done it once and it seemed to me that it was such an appropriate place for it to. It was at the Green Man Festival. That's right. Which is you know it's inherently difficult because you've got different stages all around you. So there's a lot of noise going on at the same time and. Um, um, but subject matter-wise, you know, Arcadia arrived in the Green Man Festival. Yeah, because they to... have this giant Green Man yeah. that they set fire to at the end, you know. And um, 
and it's in beautiful landscape and you know yeah it's it very speaks to the the that notion of arcadia and the completely the sort of folk tradition the pagan the whole and like, the tribal aspect of tribal it we were course, talking about yeah, earlier yeah. on you yeah. know this is another tribe you know tribe of people that are gathering because of the music that they mutually love you know on the other stages and steph the film was jumping off point for you in exploring the season when you watched arcadia where where did that um lead to in terms of the season and thinking the curation side of putting on the program in november well i think the idea would come from the i mean you mentioned that you were trying to get the sound sort of for the upcoming live performance in terms of getting version of it without the you know music there and i think i just watched the last of england or something and i felt there was like an interesting kind of connection between those two films um and their kind of commentary on british rural landscape and again like what we've said about the change you know fall from that idea of the rural idyll and the program kind of grew out of that in terms of how can we extend those conversations so with gallivant you know looking at that kind of journeying aspect um and again that commentary on like urban sprawl and the changing face of the british landscape and the way that that impacts on communities and relationships which again is being brought out in those newly commissioned shorts by the ICO, which we're going to be playing, all from young filmmakers from rural communities. And, and there's also, I think we mentioned before, but also I think increasingly a sort of interest in dialogue with race. And, you know, I know that we talked about Jonah, uh, Jonah Comfra, but one of the ICO commissions that you talked about is kind of, you know, whose countryside is it anyway? You know, who's got this right to roam? Who's, you know, and that there are filmmakers that are now exploring that territory. There's one where he read the name Daniel um, in some graveyard in the countryside and then kind of like extrapolated from that about who could this man have been and could he have a relationship to him and explores that in terms of through, through the kind of lens of race and knowing that that man probably wasn't black and what does that say about his kind of place in that rural village. And so there's a lot there to explore and for people to watch and listen. Uh, Arcadia was... Um, live performances on at St George's on the 11th of November and then the following week you can come to Watershed and explore some of Steph's season out of Arcadia. Lots of really rich and timely themes to explore. Thank you Adrian, thank you Steph and that is all for this month.